0: This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Olsen Salt, Australia's oldest family-owned salt company.
1: If anyone thought the pandemic was bad, I, I actually feel this feels worse a little bit. Um, yes, we're open. Yes, there's money coming through, but it, it is tough and like, I think the staffing issue is the biggest pressure for all of us.
0: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When we think of restaurants, cafes and pubs, we often think of standalone businesses run by families with its own identity, but there are many hospitality groups across Australia with large teams trained with an ability to deliver the magic in multiple venues with very different offerings. What does it take to deliver the right systems, find the right identity, offering and experience across numerous establishments? Talina Menzies is the executive chef and business development manager of Australian Venue Co. Talina, how are you going? I'm good, Huck. Thanks for joining us. Um, you look after um, so many venues; I probably can't even count them. Um, can you give us a give us a sort of
1: indication of how big your role is? Um, I can't even count them either, to be honest. I do I do <laughs> forget when people ask. So I'm currently running thirty venues. Um, About 15 here in Vic. Um, I do WA, which has got seven. And um, I've just taken on a few in regional New South Wales um, and um, border towns in Victoria. So one I actually opened this week.
0: Wow. So given you're the executive chef and also business development manager for food operations, what what does it take um, for your role? What does it consist of?
1: Um, I'm really there for ops support. Um, So, you know, if we take on a a new business, um, I'll sort of hire the staff, uh, redo menus and look at the sort of brand and what the target market is for the venue and sort of write menus to suit that and sort of employ the staff. Um, And then ongoing, I'm really there just for support of the head chef. So really making sure they have the tools to do the job uh, week on week, and and just support them to and mentor them to to be able to do what we need them to do. You know, our our staff is our biggest asset. Um, you can have, you know, the best equipment, the best venues, you know, but without a team behind me, then it's very challenging.
0: Can you give us a sense of um, how different the venues are, and and how you treat a particular venue and the location it's in to sort of create the the menu and the offering.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, in my portfolio um, in particular, you know, I've got anywhere from, you know, O'Connell's in South Melbourne, which is, you know, one of the best, you know, and oldest sort of gastro pubs. It's quite an iconic venue that's seen a lot of, you know, really amazing chefs come through it. So that was quite stressful to be, you know, managing something like that with, you know, the likes of, you know, Greg Maloof and stuff having gone through the venue. Um, and then, you know, I've got Trinket, a small cocktail bar, um, that does pizza. I've got, um, you know, some really uh, big football pubs and and sporting pubs like, you know, the Duke of Wellington, Crafty Squire. Um, they all have. It's very important for us that they all have their own identity, um, and that the offering is different. We definitely don't want to be you know, the McDonald's of the hospitality industry, you know, cookie cutter menus. So it is it is quite challenging um, to make sure that the offers are different, you know, especially when you're sort of trying to inspire your chefs and, and make sure that the menus aren't the same. It's probably one of the biggest challenges.
0: Chefs often get asked what their food is like. Um, and given that your role is to create experiences in multiple uh, very different venues in diff- very different locations, uh, what's the challenges for you from a culinary perspective?
1: yeah it is very challenging. I feel like I have to be good at everything <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> and I'm definitely not um, you know when I started out my career I've done lots of stuff and and you know where, if you had't talked to the you know ten ten year you know ten years ago tona I wanted to you know cook around the world and Michelin star and had at restaurants and and now i'm I, I'm doing pubs, you know I That's the core of our business and that's what we do. And um, I've had to really, you know, pivot and change the way that I cook um, depending on each venue. But I do find that the, you know, the staff look at me to be some kind of a, you know, culinary god sometimes, but I'm definitely not good at everything. Um, But I have to learn and I have to think, you know, quickly on my feet and, and, you know, take a lot of time to read and, and educate myself as well
0: the group is involved in some pretty amazing gastro pubs across the country and you mentioned that one just launched in the last week so tell us about that venue and, and the food that's offering and what it t- took to put that together in the current climate
1: um it was very challenging so it was a criterion hotel out in Yarrawanga. um and it's just a it's a really beautiful pub so we it was pretty much a turnkey Project, So we just gave it a little, little bit of love um, and, you know, put a smoker out on the deck and, and uh, you know, the most challenging part was finding a team. And I think that's everybody's challenge in the industry at the moment is staffing, especially regional. Um, we just cannot find staff uh, for hell or high water. Um, so that was very challenging. I took one of my other, um, senior chefs out with me to do that project. I don't think I've cooked so hard <laughs> in the last few years. I was on a section cause we just didn't have enough staff. So try to manage, you know, a million phone calls and, and run a pizza section <laughs> at the same time. That was fun. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Staffing is probably the biggest challenge for all of us.
0: What's the, what's the offering that, um, you've put into that venue?
1: It's just very much um a, a pub, you know steaks, palmers, you know good fish and chips. we've got really great pizzas, um yeah, very simple. We're gonna do a great Sunday roast, just nothing nothing out of the out of the ordinary for what the town needs. um I think one of the challenges is you know staying true to the residents. um there is eight thousand people there that live there um and you know they have a hundred thousand come through. Uh, for the holidays, which are all from Melbourne and and regional um, Melbourne and New South Wales, so trying to cater to both markets is quite difficult.
0: Uh, you mentioned that the, you know the, you don't want to be the cookie cutter um, sort of operation in the hospitality industry, and you really focus on um, creating something at a particular location that suits the location. How important in regards to the food offering? Uh, uh, local producers for each venue and, and and the sort of produce that you guys deal with
1: we you know as a big group we obviously have contracts and we try to sort of um streamline our supply chain um mm-hmm. during COVID, especially we sort of looked at our supplies and we had hundreds in you know across the group in in all categories so we have really tried to you know st- you know um streamline our Procurement and our buying, um, because we wanted to make sure we could pay our bills, was really important for us. And that ma- making sure that was in check. But you know, in each state, we definitely have local suppliers, um, and we try and support that as much as possible.
0: Has it been interesting to see how important the local pub uh, has become to uh, to local communities during the last year?
1: Absolutely. Um, our, you know, especially the city has been extremely tough. I run a massive portfolio in their CBD. Um, but definitely our, our suburban pubs have been, you know, really busy and the community's got behind us and everything's about, you know, support local and, and you know, we wouldn't be where we are today without the support of the local community. Um, and we're definitely trying to put, you know, a focus back on that Um, as much as possible, you know, supporting local football clubs and sporting teams and and stuff like that.
0: Most of the people that we've talked to have been, you know, had a pretty tough year and been dealing with their local situation and suburb or city. Um, But your role is over multiple states and we've seen many border closures. What sort of impact has that had on your role and ability to um, make sure all of the operations are running smoothly?
1: Um, I've spent most of my time on Zoom, (laughs) um, which has been really difficult. I mean, I've got a lot of stuff I haven't even got to meet in person, um, which sucks. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thank God for Zoom. Um, But now things seem to be getting better. So I'm really looking forward to being able to get over to Western Australia, which is my hometown. You know, I'm I'm really missing the venues over there and, and my friends and family. So I haven't been back for, you know, over a year and a half now. Um, so that will be great.
0: You mentioned that you grew up in WA. Can you take us back to your early days and when, um, food sort of became an interest for you?
1: Well, I, my, two of my uncles are actually chefs and my father, um, was a chef. So they told me not to bloody do it, but I did out of spite as (laughs) most kids do when they're told not to do something. So, um, I did, I started at the Hyatt, um, back when five star hotels were really, you know putting out the, some of the best foods. So I trained over there at the Hyatt. I then went to the convention centre for quite a few years um, where I was, you know, um, running sort of big kitchen teams quite very young. Um, I then moved over to London and worked over there for a couple of years, um, which was very eye-opening, especially as a female. It's pretty bloody tough, to be honest, but I didn't let that sort of knock me down. And then I came back to Perth where I took on my first head chef role um, with the publican group um, and then sort of went multi-venue, you know, from from there. Um, and Perth, you know, has always been home for me. They've been very supportive for me and and definitely, um, you know, put, put myself on the map a little bit over there um, to where I got to a, a national executive chef role when I moved to uh, Melbourne. So,
0: What was it like making that move from the hometown to Melbourne? Was it... Um tell us about the experiences and changes in your life at that time.
1: Uh, Melbourne has always had a place in my heart. i I think it's like a you know I love London, but it was bloody cold and miserable um and I, and I went to work when it was dark and I came home when it was dark. Um, but Melbourne is like a better version of that to me and and it's you know it's. Busy, well, it was busy, and you know, it has it's such a great culinary scene, and there's so many people that I follow and inspire me, and, and to be able to live in it and be part of it um, was really special. I ha- definitely had to grow, um, you know, taking on. I think I took on 17 venues at that time, and and I probably wasn't the best. I, I was very young um, when I first started my role, and I wasn't the best with people. Um, and I was, you know, used to yell and scream a lot, and I think that was to cover up my own insecurities and inability to do my role. But I, um, I definitely had to, with a massive team, you know, working over both states, I definitely had to work on that, and I had some amazing people that helped me, supported me, and inspired me um, to just be a better human being. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it definitely made me grow um, and get me to where I am today
0: you had the challenges of border closures and trying to um, run the operations of many businesses. Melbourne's had uh, more lockdowns than anywhere else in Australia over the last year. What what was that period of time like for you personally?
1: Uh, It was pretty pretty hard, to be honest. Um, You know, we had to stand down. I think it was like 1,200 staff. Um, and you know I I only had to sort of go into you know 15 venues I think and do it but coming home and just breaking down after you know having to say I'm sorry but you don't you know I don't know what's happening you don't have a job anymore and trying to deal with it within myself like and but then take on the, the pressure and the weight of so many staff that you care about that was it was horrible it broke me
0: Has that experience um, had an impact on the way you treat your role um, since?
1: Oh, for sure. People are, you know, they're not the same anymore. Um, They're definitely, it definitely has had an impact. Um, I've seen it within myself. I've seen it within my team. Um, You know, being almost institutionalised and locked away for seven months definitely changes people. Um, and then to be let out and it's all systems go and you've got to get back to it and and going a million miles an hour, um, it definitely has an impact on your mental health. Um, And, yeah, it was was probably sorry, the most challenging, you know, out of 22 years, the most challenging thing that I've had to deal with in my life and I really brought up a lot of demons within myself and a lot of things, you know, that I had to deal with within myself, a lot of insecurities. I've always worked at a million miles an hour and probably, you know, covered up, you know, things that I've dealt with within my own mental health and insecurities by just chucking myself into work and going a million miles an hour and self medicating. Um, so yeah. And it did, having to stop and then everything was very raw and I had to kind of deal with that within myself as well.
0: How have you dealt with some of those um, demons that you, you talked of and, and what sort of positive positives have come out of, Um, facing that?
1: Um, I think I, yeah, obviously like everyone else and all of my peers, I was like, what, what am I going to do? What, what, what do I do if I don't cook? I don't know anything else is what I've done since I was 17 years old. You know, I don't, I'm not good at maths. I'm not good at anything else. I don't know anything else. Um, And, you know, I had to really sort of Take a good look at myself. Um, you know, I spent the first couple of weeks drinking a hell of a lot of, you know, tequila and mezcal, um, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore. You know, this is not um, this is not helping. So I think for me, I we wanted to try and support our staff, um, and we started cooking for our staff because you know, food security was. Um, the biggest concern for me, like, uh, you know, and I'm in a good job and I earn good money, but I was thinking like, I was freaking out about money and I was thinking to myself, you know, how are my staff going to survive? So we, you know, with Australian Venue Co, we, we started cooking for our staff. We had a lot of support from our suppliers that were doing it tough as well. And, and um, we, at, at the end, I think we produced about 80,000 meals Um And I sort of just shut myself into that because obviously I don't like to stand still and I probably still haven't dealt with some of the demons, but I just had to throw myself into something to keep my mind occupied um, and to keep my staff somewhat in work and and to keep them creative and and moving forward. So they weren't sitting there wondering, you know, what am I doing with my life? So um, I sort of just threw myself into that and worked, you know, 50, 60 hours on that project. Um, And, you know, we really wrapped ourselves around our staff and and that was a focus. Um, It was probably the best time I've ever had in my career in terms of food because I didn't have – budgets to worry about I didn't have um, the stress of you know 30 venues calling me about problems because the only time anyone ever calls me is it is if they have you know a problem to deal with unfortunately it's it's never a good and very uh, you know not often a good news story but um, so yeah I just threw myself into that and um, and that sort of made me think about what is next for me because it made me feel so good. It just was so rewarding you know I didn't have the pressures of everything else I have to deal with and I just cooked every day and it's the first time in 10 plus years that I haven't had multi venues and problems to think about and and I was just cooking my ass off and it was so nice.
0: This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Olson Salt makers of Australian sea salt since 1948.
2: The sea has given my family everything. My family harvests the pristine waters from the Great Australian Bight to make some of the best sea salt in the world. Hi, I'm Alex Olsen from Olsen Sea Salt. We are the oldest family-owned salt company in Australia. We took over the leases of Pacific Salt in Baruca on the York Peninsula in the early 1960s, and then when the BHP Salt leases in Waiala became available, my father took those over as well. If anyone has visited Wayala, know it's a very, very windy place. So the three things you need to make salt are seawater, wind and sun, and you get plenty. Of all three of those here. Wind is a really important factor in making good sea salt because it creates a greater surface area for the sun to evaporate the water, creating brine much faster. We take the seawater from Great Australian Bight and then we store it in something called a primary pond. Then it's fed through a succession of ponds from anywhere between eight months and two years until it gets so heavy in brine and the water is evaporated off, the salt starts to fall out of the water and it's as simple as that. That's all that we do and we wash it in seawater and package it.
0: For more information, go to olsons.com.au. You mentioned earlier the challenges of uh, being a female in the industry early on in your career and the culture within hospitality. Um, how do you go about creating a great culture within your group with so many venues and so many staff?
1: Um, culture is, a you know, at the forefront of, you know, what I try to lead with in my teams these days. You know, when I started with the company, um, they didn't have much in place in terms of, you know, f- from a cultural Direction And, and, you know, I am one of the culture sort of ambassadors for the group. So I really work heavily on, you know, culture, you know, programs for LGBTQI plus, making sure we have advanced women's program for the group. So we really focus on, you know, pushing them forward um, and mentoring them to make sure, you know, they're equal and they get all the opportunities um, the same as everybody else. So it's a massive focus for us.
0: You mentioned uh, how you felt uh, during this time cooking those meals for, for staff and um, made you rethink things and um, you, you let go of a lot of uh, the stresses of the job that you have. What is it that you love about cooking?
1: Um, I love just getting lost in it, you know, and that's what kind of sucks about my role now is either I can't, I've got so much that I'm thinking about it once. I just can't, you know, get lost in it. And that's what you first used to um, attract me to cooking. You know, I had quite a hard childhood. I had quite a hard past, you know, as many, you know, I'm not telling you a story that isn't 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 uncommon. I'm not a victim. But, um, yeah, I had a pretty shitty, shitty past. And, um, you know, when I got into the kitchen, I was, you know, surrounded by people that were just like myself. And I just kind of got lost in what I was doing and I would forget, everything else in the world um and that's what you know i love most about you know when i was cooking for the staff that nothing else mattered it was just i was so invested in it that i'd forget that there was a pandemic and i would forget everything else that was going on in the world um and just got lost in food
0: you mentioned um the need to create uh, menus specific to certain venues and locations and uh, meaning you have to know how to cook everything but when when you are cooking away from work, give us a sense of what your food is like.
1: Um, I I cook a lot at home, um, which is people find odd, but I don't really get to cook what I want um, when I'm at work. So I actually, if I have a really crappy day at work, I'll actually come home and cook, um, and that way I just sort of forget everything that's going on in the world. But I I do just a lot of like nostalgia food. I mean, very wholesome. You know, I smoke a lot um, of meat um, and I do a lot of, like, slow braises. Um, And, yeah, that sort of comfort food. I went down a bit of a rabbit hole of um, sourdough in the pandemic. That was really got me for a while. (laughs) Um, I think most people did. It's like the Tamagotchi for adults, uh, (laughs) trying to keep that bloody thing alive. But um, that was probably causing me more stress than it was, um, you know, relaxing. But I definitely, um, yeah, just cook cook from the heart it's really nice not to not to use a recipe and just chuck whatever i've got in in the pantry um and see how it comes out and i don't have the pressure of somebody giving me a one-star review if they don't like it (laughs) Uh,
0: you had a hard start that's been a rough path to get to where you are but what makes you proud of
1: what you've achieved um i guess just beating the odds You know, I was pretty naughty when I was a kid and and had a pretty troubled past, but, you know, coming out the other end of it when people didn't think I would um, and being able to be here to sort of, you know, nurture the younger generation, I think that's a big focus for me now is to be able to sort of pay that forward. I had a beautiful man um, sort of even though people said, you know, she's trouble, don't put her on the Australian culinary team, you know, she's trouble. He sort of in, trusted in me, you know, Patrick O'Brien, and he put me on the Australian culinary team and, and we won medals and that really sort of straightened me out and sort of gave, gave, put me on the right path to where I am today. So it's really something that I want to focus on. Um, and like I said, when I was doing the meals meal program, I was thinking, you know, this gives me so much joy, what do I want to do after um, being an executive chef because I'm kind of, you know, you're always thinking what's next. And I think that would be a focus for me is, is youth and, you know, maybe even troubled youth and putting them into kitchens um, and trying to give them a bit of purpose and a bit of, you know, structure and discipline and, and hopefully put them on the right path.
0: You're involved with so many amazing venues across the country. Um, how does the group identify new venues like the one you've just opened?
1: Um, I think unfortunately, you know the world we're we're living in at the moment a lot of people you know I'm very fortunate to come from a company that has you know investors and money, but sadly, there's a lot of people out there that just you know hospitality is so hard you're trying to make a dollar out of fifty cents you know and and people just aren't bouncing back from the pandemic um so you know we're getting a lot of people. Um, approach us to you know to get them out of out of the ship basically and take on their venues um, so oh, we're sort cool. of looking at a lot of our positions at the moment um, we obviously can't take on them you know take them all on but you know we'll definitely try to do what we can with all
0: those amazing venues that you have what what does it take to create a great gastro pub
1: um, first and foremost a great team as i said before <laughs> you bricks and mortar are one thing that a team and that really create is everything, Um, but, you know, simplicity, I think. You know, it's thinking about where I've, you know, food trends and and what's happened. Um, I'm so glad to where sort of food is at now. It's really, you know, the old school classic stuff is coming back. Um, and food sort of, you know, over the years it has lost its way and people I think including myself were just trying too hard to have something Instagram worthy and and that was different but I think it's really come back and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, a good bloody pie and a good sauce and a, and a proper Paris mash and, you know, a good steak with a good compound butter and sauce. Um, and, you know, I think not trying too hard is super important and, and just good produce cooked simply, you know, with a bit of love is the, is the key
0: it's been a pretty challenging uh, year for so many in the industry and uh, the road ahead is still going to be pretty rough uh, how are you feeling about the next year or two uh, with the industry and and yourself and your role within it
1: i um i think if anyone thought the pandemic was bad, I, f- I actually feel this feels worse a little bit. Um, yes, we're open. Yes, there's money coming through, but it, it is tough, man. Like, I think the staffing issue is the biggest pressure um, for all of us um, trying to trying to get staff. I know that JobKeeper is coming to an end, so this that should help. But um, you know, we don't have any. New staff coming through, which is causing you know we're already overworked and sometimes underpaid, and then you've you've got to take all those pressures on as well. Um, and I think that you know that is exceptionally challenging for operators out there and and chefs and front of house to deal with. Um, and I just yeah, I think it's going to be a bloody hard road. So yes, the lockdown was hard, and being isolated was hard. But I think for for owner operators and you know, for management, it's not getting any easier. And and until we can sort of open up travel and have some more chefs and wait staff come through and and the working holiday visas and the students coming back, I think it's going to continue to be bloody tough.
0: You mentioned the positive impact that um, getting back on the pans has had on you and even in the last week you've had to run a section um, in the new venue. Um, you, you, you just sort of briefly alluded to sort of wondering what's next for you. How, how are you feeling? What's, what, what's your sense in regards to that?
1: Um, I think, you know, during COVID you sort of sit there and you think, what am I doing with my life? You know, do I get job satisfaction out of this? And, and, you know, is my job causing me stress and I have to, you know, drink 10 drinks I feel to deal with the stress. So, um, I think uh yeah, for me I've you know, I have given it a lot of thought. But, you know, one, getting back on the pans is definitely um it, it definitely felt good. You know, seeing my staff getting back into work that that was the biggest thing for me, you know, knowing that they can then support themselves and their families, you know, that was big. But yeah, I don't really know um, you know, what's what's next. Um for me, but I yeah, like I said, the you know, having my staff back is seeing them happy and, and back in work is, definitely makes me happy
0: or well, as the orchestrator of um, probably the most gastro pubs in the in the country and the food that's offered I can't let you go without asking you what the ultimate your ultimate pub meal is
1: <laughs> my ultimate pub meal? A, a good bloody pie I reckon I'm a sucker for but I actually just started I've been doing a lot of travel for work and I've started a little country pie report my <laughs> <I have> favorite. <laughs> Every um, little town that I go into, but yeah, like a good pie mash, like a good pub pie, um, you know, or a good steak tartare or something is is, you know, nothing beats a good bangers a mash. Any of that sort of old nostalgia food.
0: Well, I tend to agree with you, Talina, and it's been amazing having you share your story on uh, Deep in the Weeds today, and particularly the changes that you've uh, had in regards to cooking and and the focus about. Uh, helping disadvantaged youth. I think um, I'd love to catch up with you down the track about that uh, um, and see how that's going. Um, Please keep in touch and uh, thanks for being on Deep in the Weeds.
1: Thanks, Huck. It's been a pleasure.
0: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.